Romine is Iranian, Canadian, and Zoroastrian. He immigrated to Canada with his family in the mid-1990s when he was 11 years old. His story isn't that unusual, and in fact, many immigrants to North America will probably relate to his experience adjusting to life in a new society. I've known Ramin for almost a decade, but it wasn't until very recently when he came to visit London that we got around to talking about his first memories of the Great White North. In one of our many conversations during his trip, Ramin described his sense of identity in perhaps the most unexpected of ways. If you were to think about your, your personality as something that forms gradually the same way, like a snowflake starts out as uh, like, a, like a particle, like an impurity in the atmosphere when it's coming down, and then water starts freezing around it, and like the, the, the core, the core uh, particle basically dictates how the entirety of the crystal forms and like the, the shape of the snowflake all the way. Um, it, the, the, the core, the original particle of who I am pretty much comes from like, you know, Iran and being a Zoroastrian and like the, the, the original pieces of my personality. And when I look back at like what's basically seeped into all aspects of who I am, that's where it is. Um, but like the, the water that's formed and crystallized around it, like a very large part of it is from Canada and North America. Ramin and I have become good friends over the years and I've always admired how open he is about himself. So when I asked him to do this interview, he didn't hesitate to say yes, but did ask that I not use his real name for the sake of online privacy. In this interview, he doesn't shy away from talking about the more difficult and personal aspects of being displaced in a new country. I really appreciate Ramin's candidness in telling his story of immigration. I'm Yasmina Sakat. And you're listening to Not That Original, a podcast that brings you stories that may not be so different from your own. How do you identify when someone asks you where you're from? I was... uh... So I came to Canada when I was 11. It's really funny, uh, and I have like a bit of a thing with numbers, but like literally when I hit 21, 22, I started feeling half Canadian, half Iranian. What did you feel like before? Iranian in Canada. Um, Stranger in a strange land? It just didn't feel like home. It, 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 there wasn't any like strong connotation to it. There wasn't like there were, there were dimensions of discomfort and everything, but yeah, it, it didn't feel like home. And it was, it was funny, like literally when I hit 21, 22 and like it was exactly half and half of my life, it's like, huh, like Canada's kind of home now. What, what changed it for you? No idea. Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't friends. I think, I think you just got used to a place, you grew into a place. It's hard to tell. But I remember like the feeling, it was a non-trivial feeling of like, yeah, like this is kind of home now. It was a, it was just a non-trivial sensation of uh like I could sense that this place is a bit more like home now. It's not just a place I moved to. What are your earliest memories of Iran? Earliest? Earliest or strongest, actually. Ooh, interesting. Okay, earliest is in my head, so I'll get it out of the way. Uh, earliest memory is me sitting in my grandfather's home and my aunt uh, coming over. Uh, we used to go to my grandparents' house pretty much every weekend, and my aunt's, my aunt's like other family members would be there. Um, and I, I must have been less than three years old because I remember like having a very low perspective in the room. I think I fit underneath the chairs when I was sitting. 
uh, and I remember like looking up and the conversation was like how my brother could fit into my aunt's husband's shoes but I remember that I couldn't have been three I don't think I was three years old that's probably my favorite uh, my uh, first memory in life a strong memory that comes up uh, is my aunt leaving the country and us saying goodbye to her at the airport. In the airport, there's a glass wall after people have gone past some checkpoint. I don't know if it's security, whatever it is. Um, and her like waving goodbye and that sucked. <laughs> was this like a permanent move? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. So she was immigrating. She was gone after that. Yeah. I'm actually trying to think, like, if there's any memories of, like, the country itself that stick out a lot. Yeah, like, when you think of Iran, what do you think of? I think something that's been, something that's been on my head a lot is what, like, what it is and what it could be. And it's kind of like the, the qualities I see in it versus the qualities other people see in it. Like, the way I see the country is, you know, it's people who like poetry and people who hang out and talk a lot and people who are good hosts to guests, um, music, that kind of a thing. But that's not the image that's projected on it very often. Um, even people that know it, I don't know if they know that's what Iranians see themselves as being. And projecting that is important to me, but I don't know if it comes across at all anymore. I I get I think like when people think Iran the first thing that comes to mind is like camels. I've never seen a camel in the country. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's camels somewhere in the country. I don't know if there are any prevalence to them. There's definitely nothing in the capital. There's nothing in the big cities. Like it's it's yeah, it's not that kind of place. But like I I wonder if the if the country's culture, if if the core of what the country was is thought it is tries to be any of that i wonder if any of that exists or is is surviving or coming forward or projecting or anything. is it, what did your parents do in iran what was your life like my dad was a doctor uh, my mom was a i don't know i guess a homemaker you would call it life was good we were in a small town so everybody knew my dad uh somebody once asked like who are you and i said uh, i was a kid i was like nine years old or something it's like, who are you? I'm like, I'm my dad's son. <laughs> uh, because like in my head, I wanted to say like, I'm blah, blah, blah's son. And they would know him because he's, he's like one of the doctors in town and like people knew, everybody knew everybody kind of. But like in my head, I just replaced the nouns. And it's like, I'm my dad's son. And they're like, well, yeah, no shit. <laughs> uh, I felt like a bit of an ass, but it was funny. Why did your family move to Canada? Um, essentially, essentially for the kids. The education system or like the prog uh, the prospects uh, for kids to, you know, do whatever they wanted essentially in the country was a bit limited. Uh, at the very least, the university system was not doing as well as it once did. And yeah, my parents pretty much wanted us to have a better potential future. How old were you when you first moved to Canada? Eleven. And um, you said your dad was a doctor in Iran. What did he do when you moved to Canada? Uh, he hopped back and forth and kept working in Iran for like two years, three years maybe. Um, and then uh, he became a technician here. Uh, my dad's a radiologist, was a radiologist. He's now a radiology, uh, radiology technician in Canada. So he never got his... Um, no, he was, um, he was 40-something uh, when we came over and he'd have to start med school from the beginning. And who remembers biochemistry? 
That's uh, terrible. Yeah, who remembers who remembers basic chemistry at age forty-five to like go through all of that again? So, what kind of impact did um, moving to Canada have on your lifestyle? Ah, uh, big impact. Uh, um, perceived, anyways. Uh, at least perceived. Uh, well, no, pretty big impact. In, in, in Iran, at least financially, we were in a place where we were fine, right? Like there were no issues. Uh, everything was good. Here, it was more like, at the very least, there was a lot of uncertainty. It took a while for my dad to find, like, you know, to be, get even the technician's license and become a technician. I was worried for a very long time about, like, finances. It's kind of an instinct that's, I think, permanent in me now. Yeah, it was a lot to adjust to. That sounds rough. Yeah, it's not pleasant, but at the same time, it's like you, as a kid, you adjust to pretty fast. It's weird. You adjust, like, it, it's, it, it's also, like, parts of it nowadays at least like it's i think you get tougher uh like growing up without problems i don't think is good for a human being having some problems and thinking about these things it, it it's the it's the thing of like you get you get stronger through like through pain or you get wisdom through pain it's just how wise do you want to be is a is a conversation i had with somebody that always sticks with me yeah, at, at some point you just hope like uh, things get smooth and you're wise enough that you can weather whatever comes later. But yeah, that that's what that was. You get tougher. The move. Yeah. What What were your first impressions of Canada? Uh, the middle school I went to, we had a we had a teacher who was uh, we had a teacher who was quite attractive. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I, I remember. I remember my she's grade six teacher, I guess. And yeah, the high school, like, uh, sorry, middle school, the the playground or whatever, it was kind of cold or, I don't know, I, I was in a city that was very, very green and there were trees everywhere and like, it was ridiculously green and, you know, Toronto isn't quite that green. It is green, but it's not that green. So there was a contrast there. I remember standing up to answer a question and the whole class looking at me. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> Uh, my cousin was with me in that school, so he kind of looked out for me, so that made things a lot easier. But uh, yeah, it, it was it was it, it was the strange land thing that you said actually. That was that was distinctly it. It's like holy crap! And my dad uh, just put me in school the the first week I was in Canada. <laughs> it's like, well, there's a middle school. Go uh, in a nice way. He's a nice guy. Um, but yeah, I'm like, do I have to? <laughs> we just got here. You already spoke English, but sometimes knowing the language or at least passing as somebody who really knows the language can have its own challenges, like understanding subtle differences in usage. Was that a problem for you? I don't know if this is true because I haven't seen the other side of the the other side of it, I guess. But uh, for me, I kept on putting my foot in my mouth because I think when you have a, if you speak the language incorrect, like completely incorrectly, people give you credit of like, yeah, he doesn't know the language. He said something stupid. But like when I said something in like relatively fluent sounding, like well-pronounced English, they're like, oh, he means that. And uh, the story I mentioned before that, yeah, uh, first day of school, really nice middle school, friendly middle school teacher tried to introduce me to the class, everything. End of the day, I'm at my locker, two kids come by, it's like, yeah, so how was your first day of school? And... I wanted to say it was lonely, I didn't know anybody, you know, that kind of a thing. And the, the word that came out of my my mouth, I must have seen it on TV or something, was, yeah, I was much more popular back home. Uh, and I was, and yeah, I, I used the word popular instead of I had friends. And yeah, that was, they didn't talk to me a lot after that. Uh, I figured that out later. 
<laughs> I recognized the incorrect use of the language later. That must have been rough. Yeah. Um, so I had friends that came in at later ages, uh, in their late teens or early twenties, um, and their problem is uh, has always been, you know, uh, not acclimating to the culture as much as I did because I was younger, and uh, that part of it at least was more thorough or more full on. But the problem when you're the, the the thing I realized the problem when you're younger is you you don't have the person the personal tools the, to actually you don't have the tools to actually handle the situation like when you're older I remember I remember when I was a kid the first day at school uh, we my teacher took me to recess and told me you know told all the kids in my class hey like you know play with this guy basically they were playing football or something. And uh, I basically couldn't handle it. Uh, I was a little bit shy. I just like I got really uncomfortable as you would when you're 11 years old. And I said, "Oh yeah, bye." And I just walked off. And so, so like part of uh, part of immigrating when you're that young is you don't actually have the you don't actually have the personal the personal tools, the communication skills, that sort of thing to actually handle the situation. Whereas if I if I go somewhere now that like you know I'm not a child anymore I, I recognize the situation I know it's going to be tough I'm ready for it I try to communicate if it works it works if not you know I go talk to somebody else and I don't let it shut me down like that so what was high school like for you so Canada for me or immigration for me was a, a, a series of like like a cascading waterfall not necessarily always down but like the concept of you land somewhere, you adjust to the situation a little bit when you're getting comfortable, like you never get fully comfortable, you never get fully adjusted. So you're not locked in, you don't have your full confidence. And like, it's funny, like middle school is a couple of years, high school is a couple of years, college is a couple of years. And after college is when you actually get to settle in into like a smooth existence and like, you know, settle in. But like what happened was in middle school, I had almost adjusted by the end of grade eight and then grade nine is like, oh damn, a new environment. Uh, and my high school was a lot different than my middle school. Like it was, it was a tougher school. Uh, like there were fights, there was non-trivial, proper violence. It was not. It was just not as, uh, not as easy a place to 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 exist in. <laughs> and yeah, so I went through middle school. Then I dropped into high school, and it's like basically here we go again. And because it was kind of a rough high, rough high school, and my middle school was kind of a good middle school, a lot of the a lot of the kids I had made friends with, uh, their parents actively put them in a different high school, or they applied to go to a different high school. So I was basically starting at zero with no friends, adjusting to a new situation. And uh, yeah, it was tough. Uh, I remember the first uh, first day first day of a class, uh, a much larger uh, fellow student asked to copy my work and I said no and he threatened to sew my face to my ass in those words uh, I still remember I, I remember the exact computer screen and the kid and everything it was kind of intense and I was really glad he didn't actually sew my face to my ass yeah if you were having trouble in school um, did you ever talk to your parents about it I don't think so. So actually, fun story. Uh, so like the the thing I realized much later on was like at the time I, I didn't even think about talking to my parents. I think it's the same. Like it, it just doesn't occur to you, especially when you're a kid. So uh, th this is a much lighter, but like fun story. My uh, my mom used to make sandwiches for me in middle school. I really liked uh, egg, egg salad, I guess. Yeah, I really like egg salad is like the English variation of it. There, there's an Iranian form that's slightly different. I really liked it and she would make it for me and I was like this is great and 
then you know she wasn't thinking about it and i wasn't saying anything so she made it for me for a year straight uh pretty much like every day for a year i had egg salad and then like eventually like i'm like i freaking hate egg salad um and it used to be one of my favorite foods as a kid and now i just can't have it period but like it's it's this thing of like it just didn't occur to me to tell her like stop until like until i'd been having it for a year straight and i literally couldn't take it anymore it was like a combination of like you don't think about it and like your parents are going through things on their own right uh, when they moved, there was a lot of things for them to adapt to. And my dad was going back and forth, uh, you know, working there, visiting, working in Iran, visiting. And, uh, yeah, I didn't want to bother my parents and, you know, kept some things in because of that. And other things, just you don't have the instinct to, like, talk to your parents. How long did your dad go back and forth for? Uh, two, three years, if I remember correctly. Yeah, something like that. Could have been worse. But, like, you know, we were also young. I remember the first time he, he came back, like, there was a distance between us, uh... It's always hard when a parent's a little far away and then you have to like rebuild yeah. your relationship a little bit. Especially at that age, exactly, because kids change so fast too, right? Like, yeah. And like a year in a child's life is a lot more than like if I don't see my dad for a year now, it's less of a thing. Since your school wasn't that great um, yeah. and your parents didn't really have a focus on education, how come they didn't switch you out to another school? We, they, everybody, we didn't have the instinct. Like, so the, this was something that like in Iran, the culture was at least, you know, you or within our social group or whatever the, the 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 idea was you check what schools are good you figure out you put your you put your kids in but when you're in a new environment and you know they say you go to whatever high school is nearest to your house basically um you go along with it and and uh, and the people that my parents knew uh at the time like i did just didn't know better period or if I did, I wouldn't bring it up for the same reasons we just talked about. But like my parents, the the people they knew, the the social group they kind of dropped into when we moved to Canada is nobody did that. So they didn't do it either. Uh, we talked about it years on of like, hey, all my friends went there. And like, you know, we had a we had a swim meet in a school where like some people from my middle school were there. And they were all like more friendly to me than my own schoolmates. Um, and later on, we talked about it and like, yeah, we didn't know. Um, and my parents are like, you should have said something. I'm like, you should have asked. <laughs> and like, um, and like, I don't think it was anybody's fault. It's just, it's weird. Some things just fall through the cracks when there's so much going on. Your high school experience kind of fell into this sort of stereotypical, terrible high school yeah. experience overall. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, it, it, it definitely, so when you, when you say that, there's a part of me of like, no, it sucked more, but like... Yeah, I guess maybe everybody feels that way too. Do Do you think your experience still affects you today? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, there is a. I think this is normal, by the way. I think, like in a way, like the theme of it, I think is normal in that everybody, you know, you have your past experiences and you have like trauma and you have scars and you like as you grow up and you like go through various stages, you like reflect and you get to know yourself and you try to like dig through and why do i do this why do i think that way go like you do self-therapy as you go through life in a way but yeah there's layers to it um uh, this is fun so i did uh i did lifeguarding classes wow, i haven't told the story in a long time it's fun i did life uh, lifeguarding classes uh right after 12th grade before i went to college and like that was the last set i did because after that i was in university and i was too busy i did lifeguarding classes and you know at the beginning of it like it's a bunch of kids like it's a bunch of 16 15 whatever year olds and we're sitting there and like somebody came up to me in the class and they're like hey what's your name and i'm like what's it to you 
because uh, in my high school at least, or the way the, the experience I had had was like, if somebody's talking to me, there's going to be trouble afterwards. So when somebody asked my name, I'm like, what do you want, man? <laughs> like, and then like immediately after that, I'm like, oh Jesus, what the hell is wrong? <laughs> um, and that, 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 that's, that's, that, that kind of mentality is still something like, I think I've gotten over it, but I, I, I think it legitimately took like 10 years. Um, of like gradually recognizing like what what issues because you don't know what what which parts of your own behavior are like incorrect or abnormal or not properly suited in dealing with like normal human interaction and uh, yeah it, it, it takes a long time for like some things that get into your core to like for you to understand them and maybe change them for things that better match who you are or who you want to be or that kind of a thing how would you describe most of your friends Hmm. Most of my friends. I actually wouldn't describe them as most of my friends. Like my friends typically have been in like clusters. There's like uh, the middle school folks. There's the there's the high school folks. There's like the Iranians, the non-Iranians. Not that I make a distinction. It's just the the, the not that like it matters to me. But the, the, like it's different groups. Like in college, for example. Like in in high school, I I didn't try to reach out to my own community. No particular reason. I I, I just like. Yeah, I don't know why that was. I, I felt like, I guess, I felt like I, I didn't want to be, like, some Iranians at least, they really kept to themselves, and I didn't feel like being in a, in a closed-off uh, group. But then when I went to college and, like, I started hanging out with some Iranians, I'm like, oh, damn, like, this is a... Like, it was a part of me that I hadn't explored in such a long time, and it just felt like home in a weird way. So, like, the Iranians were different. Like, it, it was a different part of your personality that you don't access for a while, and then, like, it's comfortable, and it's this whole thing. Um, that's why that's why the Iranian, non-Iranian distinction is, I guess, there. What are your strongest memories of growing up in Toronto? Ah, uh, strongest memories. Um, so, so strongest invokes, like, uh, kind of what had, the like, the strongest emotional reaction. I'm thinking of almost fights in high school. I'm thinking of, yeah, sometimes. It's funny, like, I left Toronto, I don't know, five, six years ago now, and the thing I realized was as much as I love the city, there's a lot of, so, somehow when I walk the walk through the city, the, the negative parts of the experience come up more than, than the positive parts. Like, I remember my breakups more. I remember, like, some of the loneliness more. I remember... Uh, there's a lot of stuff there where, like, again, as much as I love the city, and I think it's a great city, I was glad to, like, uh, just get out of the city and see a new thing. There's a song, uh, uh, It's Audio Slave Doesn't Remind Me, um, where Cornell is talking about how, like, he really loves, like, going to, the song lyric is, like, he loves going to Japan and getting lost at night because, like, after a lifetime of, like, all the things you've gone through and all the, the pain and the suffering and all the things you've experienced, it's just good to get out of a place and like not have anything come to your mind when you're walking around somewhere. So yeah, when you say strongest, like there's a lot of things I love about Toronto, but when you say strongest, the, like the negative stuff somehow sticks out more. I said a lot there without saying anything. No, I think you, you kind of made a point. Yeah. Well, let me try to come up with an actual... If I were, if I were to, if you put me on the spot and said like, what comes to mind? Okay, what comes to mind like immediately if you were put put, put me on the spot actually is a positive memory of like, when my uh, family from Vancouver visited and we went on top of the CN Tower and I could see I could see the whole city and I could see like, you know I could see the university I could see Harbor Front I could see my parents' house I could see you know young I could see college I could see like I could see all the different neighborhoods and remember all the different things I've done like from a new perspective though and I could see the GO train like going through the city really slowly it was cool. 
And like that, that was a nice snapshot of the city. That was really cool. That's cool. Yeah. Well, now looking back, what do you think would have helped you? If you if you were gonna say something to your younger self. Oh Jesus! Anything. <laughs> In terms of adapting to life as a young immigrant. Yeah. What would you have said? In, in five words or less, uh, and I'm going to go over five words. In as many words as you like. Yeah, thanks. Uh, um, it's going to suck. It's not your fault. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's like, I think it's not your fault because a lot of it you think it's, it's, it's taken me and still sometimes even takes me a very long time to recognize that. I'm not necessarily weird. I'm not broken. There's nothing wrong with me. Like the stuff that happened to me is not my fault and it's not anybody else's fault. It, it, it's so it sounds like a goodwill hunting. Or I whatever. was going to say, <laughs> I, <know>. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that. No, but I, I think everybody that goes through trauma, at least a part of it is like, I, I think, I don't know if it's everybody, but at least for some people, the, the instinct is, yeah, there's something wrong with me. There's something broken in me. And like, you're constantly looking for validation of somebody to tell you, no, man, that, that horrible, horrible thing that happened to you. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. And by the way, when I say horrible, horrible thing, I'd like to uh, explain that, like, you know, I never went hungry. I was never in fear of an actual mortal danger. I was like, whatever. So I, I feel it's important to acknowledge that these problems are, like, just emotional, whatever. But, but it's relative. and Oh, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's yeah. your own experience. and No, it, 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 it sucked hard. <laughs> but do you think it, there would have been a way of making it not suck? Yeah, um, I think if I had the instinct to like talk to my parents more, if I had a couple of like people that understood where I was and like show me the ropes, like there, there's kids I talk to now and I try to do that for them. It, 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 any kind of guidance, like anybody that I'm like, hey, like what? And, you know, everybody tried. My parents tried. It's just like, I think a lot of this stuff you don't understand unless you've been through it or you're going through it or you have that perspective. Yeah. Um, it's gonna suck. It's not your fault. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Not That Original. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and feel free to share this podcast. saw the ads back then and I used to hear that and like hell yeah <laughs> like damn straight I am Canadian